0: Following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Remain standing just for a moment, please, please, please. I see you sitting down. We're gonna do a little calisthenics here. Sit down, stand up, stand out, sit down. Now. I'm talking and teaching tonight on unseen possibility unseen possibility and and many of you are already ahead of me say oh, I, I know what that's all about unseen possibility it's it's an amazing thing what sometimes we see and what we don't see in life. But before I get started, I got a little funny story. I heard about a lady that was having a a heart surgery and She prayed to the Lord on that operating table. The Lord said, I'm I'm going to let you live 40 more years. And so she came out of the surgery just fine and went home. And So she realized she had 40 more years. She went back to the doctor and got a facelift and got a tummy tuck and got all that stuff. The rest of it, you know. And she walked out in the street and a car hit her and she got killed. Got to heaven, she said, Lord, you promised me 40 years. He said, You know, after all that, I didn't recognize you. Oh. <laughs> now, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. I hope the Lord recognizes us. <laughs> Ain't preaching, son. I'll preach in a minute. That ain't preaching. I'm just talking to the church right now. That's a cute story. I wished I could say that was original, but it wasn't. John 1 46 said, Nathaniel said to him, to Philip, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. Turn to somebody and say, I'm gonna help the pastor. And I hope he's not boring. I hope he's not long. And you may be seated. God bless. God bless. I got some more funny stories, but I'll save them. Hey, uh, we're flying in a special speaker here Sunday. One fine lady is going to be speaking here at this church on Sunday, Mother's Day. And moms, by the way, oh, we got some stuff for you. Mama's going to be taken care of this year. We got some stuff for you. We heard a little bit of her little bitterness last year. <laughs> I'm teasing when we gave away some of those green egg things for the men, and we didn't match that with the validity to the ladies. So this year, the men are going to get turtles, <laughs> and you women are going to get some fine product. We're going to err on the side of you this, 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 this Sunday. Patty Johnson, the first lady, is going to be speaking here on Sunday, and I'm very happy. I'm very happy. In fact, last year, people were ready to vote her in when she got through speaking on Mother's Day. They said, Pastor, you can run on down the road. We'll take her. But we're a team. We're a package. And I'm so happy that she's my wife, and I'm so happy the life she lives is a life that I am very happy to call my wife. Amen. She's a dandy. She's real and she's genuine and she is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a Hebrews 13 and 8 in her life. She's the same. She just, she changes not. And uh, what a joy to have a wife like that. You know, some people have wives that's, they're really angels are always up there harping about something. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then some of you wives are married to men that can't put that crown that they want to wear over their head because there's too many horns sticking up. You know how it is. But it's good to have a good marriage. It's good to have a great marriage. I give honor to Dr. Al and Sister Norma for talking about marriage. A refreshment course that they gave the last six, six weeks as a seven-week time, but it was a six-week course because they took a week off. But I give honor to them. Let's clap for these people. They, I, I, we need to keep our marriages right ready and on point. The wedding march had just begun and I stepped to the center of the stage. In the ministry, there's no moment as deeply moving as the start of a wedding march. It's just pretty deep, pretty moving. The groom took his place, followed by the best man at the front of the auditorium sanctuary. And down the aisle came the ushers, the bridesmaids. Then the church, into the church came the bride, beautiful, radiant, on the arm of her father. And as she moved slowly down the aisle, every eye was fixed on her. But at that moment, my thoughts were far, far away. I remember the day about a year, year and a half earlier, when that young woman was crying in my study. She had blurted out that she could find no meaning in life and it wasn't worth even going on. She said through her tears, I haven't met a man who is husband who has husband qualities. <laughs> And so I tried to speak words of encouragement, and we prayed together, and she went on her way. That day, a year, year and a half ago, she saw no possibility of the unforeseen happiness and love that God would give her. Her mind was obsessed with loneliness. Her mind was obsessed with sorrow. And now, a little over a year later, she was walking down an aisle to look with love into the face of a young man that would take her for the rest of her life, As his bride. That's clapworthy. That's clapworthy. We are often, we are often blind to the possibilities of unforeseen goodness. We really are. It's hard for us, any of us, to believe in unforeseen victories, unforeseen happiness or joy. Many have no difficulty, especially in the day we're living in, believing the worst. And when there is talk of bad times, we solemnly believe that the end of the world is not far away. I remember back in 1988 when a man predicted that Jesus was coming in September of that year. I baptized more people in August than you could ever imagine. (laughs) Because they believed that the Lord was about to come. But he didn't. Then I remember in 2012 by the Mayan calendar that the Lord was going to come before a certain date in September, which is the Feast of Trumpets. But the Lord did not come. When a youth rebellion is discussed, we're blind to the possibilities of the countless young people, men and women who are seeking a better life and a better world, even in the midst of a revolt and people that are doing the wrong thing. I greeted hundreds of young people at the door tonight, going to a class upstairs because it's friend night. And they will not be able to seat all the people up there because of the wonderful moment that is going to be tonight in the youth hall. We have no difficulty feeling cynical in the presence of a man who has been successful and we sneer. But look at what and how he got the way that he got. Or when someone is in a position of leadership, they fail, we quickly shake our heads and say, I guess we don't know the half of it. See, it's human. It's human nature that we constantly think of the unforeseen evil and forget the unforeseen good in life. It is a mind message tonight. It's time to renew your mind and transform it. Amen. It was so in the time of Jesus. When Jesus left the village of Nazareth to begin a public ministry, great crowds followed him, folks. Multitudes on every hand, the old, the young, the rich, the poor, the wise, the ignorant, the weak, the helpless, the bold, the brave. The people that needed touches, the people that needed victory, the people that needed salvation, men of all classes, all walks of life went after this man from Nazareth. And when his voice was lifted in teachings that were unmatched by any voice in history, they listened with eager anticipation for they said, never a man spake like this man. And when his hands reached out to touch those that were sick, there was healing power. He turned lives around just that quick And all who came in contact with this man loved this man. And then came the inevitable question, who is this man? Who are his people? Where did he come from? What's his background? What do we know about him? We're told in Nazareth there was a quick sneer. And they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? For you see, Nazareth wasn't much. It was a town on a highway between the Mediterranean Sea and the Sea of Galilee. It was barren. It was gray and lifeless on the hillsides except perhaps one or two months in the year. From the beauty of Haifa of the Mediterranean Sea traveling 40 miles away to the luxuriant beauty of the Sea of Galilee, you passed through this little podunk town called Nazareth. You hurried through it. It was an ugly city. And their accent was despised. They were not a loved people. It was rumored that revolutionaries and outlaws came out of Nazareth. It was scorned as a city which had no influence, and people avoided Nazareth and did not want to be contaminated by this city called Nazareth. But it was this city that Jesus came from. No one of the crowds asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yet, folks, many good things. Can you say amen? Many good things came out of Nazareth. There was a prophet that called Nazareth home. His name was Elijah. Elijah lived in Nazareth and did great works from there. There was another man named Jonah who went to a place called Nineveh that came to challenge the entire world with his new missionary zeal. He came from Nazareth. And oh, yes, there was a one young woman named Mary, Mary, who bearing a child walked and rode 60 miles from her home Nazareth to a village in Bethlehem to pay taxes because somebody had made a decree. And she gave birth in a barn. And she returned to Nazareth to bring up a baby boy. And he was to grow to manhood and to have the power for all mankind. Many things out of Nazareth which indicated that what one could see wasn't enough to explain what was there by the power of God. It's amazing what Popeye becomes when he eats spinach. It's amazing what Brutus becomes when he sees Popeye eat that spinach. It's amazing what happens when the presence and the power of God comes on just normal, normal people. Just people that everybody would walk by and say, what are are they even doing in this world? Why are they even filling up space and time and place? But oh, you don't understand. We have met a man that came from nowhere that had power for everybody everywhere. And yes, we matter in this life because we have been touched by the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. The unforeseen providence of God is mighty in this world today. Amen. Say the unforeseen providence of God. Say it. Unforeseen providence in God. I'm speaking, leave it up, of a doctrine of unexpected goodness. In the midst of all the evil of our world, I think I have to raise my voice a little bit every now and then, especially on Wednesday night when you are here that love this God. It's hard for a cynical society to believe that there is more than life than what we can see. It's hard for an unbelieving world to think that there is any possibility of change beyond the measures in test tubes and in the process of, of, of arithmetic and physics. And it's difficult for some to understand that there is something more to life than what we can measure. Amen. Amen. Many centuries ago, there were 10 brothers. They were leaders among the people, influential in their community. And they had a younger brother by the name of Joseph. And one day they were with their flocks at Dothan on a farm far away from home. And Joseph came over the hillside toward him. And when they saw him, they cried with scorn, Behold, the dreamer cometh. So they dismissed him. They sold him out. But when all their struggling had resulted in starvation, it was the dreamer. It was the unforeseen beyond beyond anything they could imagine which saved their homes and their families. And I declare to you right now that even when they came into his presence, see, people that don't understand dreaming cannot even recognize dreaming even later when dreaming is on the throne unless dreaming identifies itself to them. I'm here to declare to you right now that there is a church in Austin, Texas. There is a place in Austin, Texas That is not going to be beguiled by the evil of this world that everybody sees. But we are dreaming of something greater than you could ever imagine. And you may not recognize it now, but stay tuned. Joseph is being born in this church. And revival is coming to this place. I will preach it till the breath draws out of my body. I will tell it and tell it and tell it. See arguments. Still exist as to heredity or environment is more influential in the development of a life. Is it blood or is it environment? Some psychologists have said, after all, it's the blood that counts. Give me the right genes and I'll show you a genius. I hear the environmental proponents say that the only real influence upon a growing child is environment, a place where he grows up. Yet we're aware that there is more in many human lives than neither heredity nor environment can explain on the negative side, a child may be born to good parents, have a good education, have a great environment, and yet make a failure in life. On the other hand, out of an unfortunate, tragic situation, some children rise up to godliness and dedication and to worthy service for all humanity. For I will say it neither heredity nor environment can explain the potential for good which lies within the hearts of men and women today. Put your hand on your chest and say, this didn't get here by the Big Bang Theory. This didn't get here by evolution. This got here by the hand of God when he formed me out of the dust and breathe into me the breath of life and there's something in me that is greater than anything around me and i see the unforeseen possibility that rests in my life in my present and in my future clap your hands and rejoice in that right now hallelujah and that's that's the glory And the joy that only it can bring when you sense that you are something special even though people don't see what you feel and what you see in your life. This is the romance of life, the glory of the unforeseen. There is more goodness, more potential at heart of things than what we all dream. My daddy told me when I first started preaching, he said, son, be kind to everybody. Because men that are 95% good have 5% bad in them. And men that are 95% bad have 5% good in them. And it's not your job to find the bad. It's your job to preach to the good. To bring it out of them. So I preach tonight. I'm planting something in you. It's planting season. Amen. I'm planting something in you. And I want something to germinate in your spirit. I want something to come out of you. I want something to grow in dimensions and grandeur and glory. Because God did not create junk. He didn't create something that's going to make a mess. He created something that's going to inherit eternal life. And what he has for us is not temporal, it's eternal. And I'm shouting on the platform right now because I can see what the world can't see. I can see what the world is saying is pitiful. I can see glory coming out of it. I can see hallelujahs coming out of it. I can see victories coming out of it. I can see healings coming out of it because what the devil thought was bad. God made good and what the enemy thought was gonna put me under, God's gonna take me over and what the world thought was gonna crash me down, I'm gonna lift up and rise like the phoenix. I will see the salvation of the Lord in my life. Woo, hallelujah, I I will see it. I will see it. I will see it. I will see it. Amen. In a museum in Boulder, Colorado, you're going to love this. There's a large glass base, a glass case. And underneath that case are pieces of rocks. They're gray, they're brown lumps. And people say to themselves in that museum, why have they brought that stuff to exhibit in this museum? Then they see a sign that says, push this button. And you push that button, and when you do, an ultraviolet light comes on and those brown and gray stones are transformed into a myriad of what seems like shining diamonds. Hidden in the dark lumps was a glory which couldn't be measured except when it was blessed by the light. Somebody needs to turn the light on in your life. They that have walked in darkness have seen a great, great light. He is our day star, Luke chapter 1. He's not just a night star. He's our day star. And I'm glad to tell you that the light is shining on this church. And the light is shining on you individually. And the light is shining on this platform. And the light is shining in our children's classes. And the light is shining among our young people. And the light is shining. And when I tell you what the world sees as cold and gray and brown lumps of nothing, we have flicked the light on and see a shine, a vessel that is giving God glory and honor and praise. And I think it's important, imperative that we hear it every time we come to church, that what we do matters in this house. How our light shines matters out there. The Bible said you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Somebody turn the light on in your life. Let the light shine in your life. And let the unforeseen possibilities glow in your spirit. Amen. Well, 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 well. Settle down, Pastor. The glory of the unforeseen frequently enters and transforms many of the crises in our life. When the ultimate has happened and the worst that could possibly come has occurred out of darkness, the providence of God is at work and we find a secure hope. See, there is a triumph, folks, in the midst of what seems to be disaster at the moment. Crucifixion day. Let's talk about it. I know Easter's just passed. But Jesus carried a cross, His own cross. But on that mile, on that road to Calvary from Pilate's judgment hall. He fell under the weight of it. And it says in the scripture, they laid hold of one Simon of Cyrene and forced him to carry his cross. When Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry the cross, nothing was more degrading. Hostile crowds, they scorned. Carrying a felon's cross, charged with the worst. He was going to die. Jesus was going to die on that cross. Yet 30 years later, Out of degradation and humiliation of that moment, something happened in the life of Simon the Cyrene. When the author is listing great Christians in the book of Romans, chapter 16, Paul says, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Rufus and the father of Alexander. Those were great leaders in the church in Rome. What some people saw as a degradating thing in the man's life produced something that the world could not see 30 years later. A boy named Rufus whose name means red. Maybe it's because he saw so much red blood. And a boy named Alexander who meant man defender. He couldn't carry his cross, so I'll carry his cross. And I'll name my kids after what I did 30 years ago because I'm not ashamed of it. What unforeseen glory lies between the two verses within this brief space of a few years in the New Testament is uncanny. And some of you need to understand what lies in the now and the future distant of your children and what is coming down the road is only a matter of time because God Almighty has his hand on you and he has his hand on your children and God is gonna touch you to bless your children and your children are gonna bless their children and their children are gonna bless their children because God has something special it may seem heavy right now it may seem like a load right now but hang on keep carrying the cross something's gonna happen in your life that's gonna bring glory to the kingdom of God, it's what I call unforeseen possibilities. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Anybody want to rejoice with me right now? Anybody? Anybody want to rejoice with me? The law of unforeseen has been in many people's lives. Think of a boy in Kentucky wearing a coonskin cap and trousers made out of deer skin driving cows down a woody pathway in the wilds of Kentucky not any culture not much of a home not much of a possibility of education yet when you look for the unforeseen you see a president by the name of Abraham Lincoln and you understand the emancipation proclamation Or consider a drunkard in a town in Germany who courted and led to the altar a girl with tuberculosis. A drunkard marrying a girl with tuberculosis. And people in the village shook their heads and said, what a pity, they murmured. Nothing will come out of that family, but a baby was born to those parents. His name, Ludwig Beethoven. Blown away by the magnificent, I recognize that the unforeseen with God's power is beyond human Measure. Mm. Or think of the man John Milton, 38 years old at the zenith of his strength and influence, who within a period of three weeks became totally blind. Three weeks. They moaned how sad his future is dead now. But while he was blind, he wrote Paradise Paradise Lost and Paradise, Paradise Regained. Some of the greatest poetry in all the history of the English language. The unforeseen brings hope in a time of despair. Amen. So it is in government. When Winston Churchill was chosen Prime Minister of England, a well went all over England. Have we come this low, they said? Are we this low? Where can we find hope in a man who has had failure after failure to mark his career? And Lady Astor made fun of him his whole time in office. Who could anticipate what divine courage and strength working in a life of a dedicated man could bring out of the despair of that moment. I've seen frivolous young girls transformed into loving and dedicated mothers when a baby is placed in their arms and they have to raise that child. And I've seen young men caught up in the desire to have a good time, changed by the unforeseen to become good husbands and good fathers. Daniel Webster the people said, is a little more than an idiot. That's what they said about him. So said the masses. Thank God Daniel Webster didn't shut down when somebody called him an I-D-I-O-T. But he stayed true and became one of the greatest lectionaries and became one of the greatest leaders of our country. It's probable that his parents would be wise if they put him in an institution for the rest of his life. That's what people said, the glory of the unforeseen. And then there was Jesus. It's that way in religion. There was Jesus. Who would have thought that a boy born in a peasant mother with a father who worked in a carpenter shop growing up in the ignorance and bigotry of a village of Nazareth would become the world's central figure? Who would have thought that such a person would become king of kings and lord of lords for all mankind? It is the power of God that makes the difference in people's lives. And I... I got a stop point right here. I got a big old space because I'm ready to preach right now. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. That's why this pastor is not going to preach in this church without the aid of the Holy Ghost. That's why this pastor is going to tell you from the morning till evening, every time I get in this pulpit, that everybody in this house needs an experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. (laughs) the power of the unforeseen i'm telling you you don't need to be afraid of anything in your life you don't need to be afraid of what god can do in your life you don't need to be afraid you know you know you know you know i was thinking the other day i just thinking when jesus when jesus walked on to gadara and that man that was bound in a cave and with chains and he was a demonic demoniac and he had at least 2 to 6000 devils in him I know what drew Jesus to him, but what drew him to Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? He probably knew the prophets. He probably knew the leaders. He probably knew the Sanhedrin. He probably knew all the people who talked the good language. But when Jesus came on the shore, he didn't have to find that man. That man came and found him. Why? (laughs) Why? I think I have an answer. Jesus was probably the first man that had ever come on that shore that didn't have a whip or a chain or a club or some kind of police department to help beat him down again and put him back in a cave and tie him back up. But Jesus came seeking to save that man. And that man realized, I can either stay in this position or I can go to him. And I choose to take 2,000 devils with me, break out of this thing called a cave, break out of this past life, and I'm going to run and fall at the feet of this man. I don't know who he is, but I'm going to fall at his feet because there's something unforeseen that I think is about to happen in my life. I want to say something to you. I introduced Jesus today. He's the fixer of all people. I introduced Jesus in this house tonight. He can heal anything. He can save anybody. But here's my question. Why? You're sitting over here and alcohol's driving you crazy and it's driving you nuts and you're saying, I gotta get out of this ditch and drug addiction is holding you and illicit sexual immorality is driving you up a wall and you're saying how do I get out of this look up you've got a choice to make there's some unforeseen possibilities walking to you right now and all you got to do is get up and shake the chains off because chains can't stay on you when you start walking to Jesus shake the chains off Get away from the history of yesterday. Alcohol, your history. Drug addiction, your history. Enlisted immorality, your history. I'm not going that route. I'm going to choose Jesus over this. All hell, the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth a royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth a royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Jesus took 12 lives and turned this world upside down by letting them see what nobody else was seeing, the unforeseen possibility of a church, of a life, of a people, of a family. Alfred Lord Tennyson said, oh, for a man to arise in me that the man I am might cease to be. I know that I've gotten outside the lines tonight of preaching, that I have come to this pulpit with a passion and a purpose tonight, but I make no excuses of preaching this gospel. Because a man walking on the Damascus road one day with letters in his pocket to persecute the Christians was knocked down off his horse and he looked up and said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And by the way, Saul, it's hard to kick against the pricks. What will you want me to do? What do you have me to do? I want you to rise and go to a street called straight now. You'll find a man named Ananias. He'll tell you what you need to do. And Ananias is on the other end. <laughs> I don't know if the Lord told him the name that was coming. But I imagine if he did, Ananias would have said, you sure you picked the right person here, Lord? He's probably coming to take me out. But Ananias saw the possibility of the unseen. The unseen. The thing that you cannot imagine. The thing you could not, can you imagine being Ananias and knowing he had a rendezvous with Saul, the church killer? and Saul was going to be a willing vessel and was going to rise and be baptized and was going to go to the desert and study at the feet of Gamaliel. do you believe that that man had to see beyond what the world sees? How would you handle that, folks? How would I handle that? Very carefully. And I'd go in telling my best jokes. But somebody turned this world upside down and we don't preach about him a whole lot but his name was Ananias. Yes, sir. You'll find a man there and he'll give you words by which you can be saved. We hear a lot about Paul but not about the man that told him what he needed to do. Because one man saw the possibility Thank you, Jesus. of the unforeseen. Say amen to that. Amen. There was an actor that was in England one day. He was running through the, the, the country and performing his show. Somebody knocked on his little apartment door in a certain town and said, we would like to invite you to church tonight. And the young man looked at them and said, you don't want to invite me to church. He said, I'm, I'm an actor. He said, I have nothing to do with God. And they said, oh, you need to come tonight. God needs actors. (laughs) They took him to church. His heart was warmed. Something strange happened. He gave his heart to the Lord. And if you were to name three of the greatest preachers in American history, you would list the name of that transformed young actor. His name was Russell Conwell, founder of Temple University. Temple University Medical School and many of the great institutions of the East. A man of such power in preaching that life became new because of his influence. The potential for goodness is in everybody. The potential for godliness is in you. Rather than thinking in terms of unforeseen tragedy, start recognizing unforeseen glory and possibility. I close. Randy, help me out. Amen. I was pastor in the Ritter several years ago and uh, we had this kid that I was working with. I've always been kind of a, a sports kid. I've enjoyed sports. That is, uh, that's what I, I like. In fact, last night I really enjoyed that last overtime. <laughs> Brother Manu, Ginobili, but we had this kid in in, in in the school there, and this school had produced a lot of great basketball talent, and there was a kid there named Danny. I won't tell you his last name, but Danny, Danny was a Danny was a great kid, and he came out of a out of a, out of a different culture, a whole di- different culture, and he came into the church and received the Holy Ghost. Was born again, baptized, received the Holy Ghost, and I just thought. Boy, I've got me an All-American. He was first team All-State basketball. And I thought, I've got me, I got me a kid here. I've got me a boy that I'm going to mentor. I'm going to train. Wow, he's going to rock and sock. And I'm going to say, yeah, I found him. <laughs> I was a lot younger then. But Danny didn't make it. Danny didn't survive the world was too big and he didn't see what he needed to see he saw what he wanted to see not what he needed to see and Danny lost his way and then one day there was another long legged kid came in that church he was his brother was an all district player but not all state had great talent great ability but not nothing like Danny And that boy came in, and one night at a quiet altar, he found Jesus and received the Holy Ghost. Everybody just said, "Way to go, son!" His name was Jimmy. Way to go, son. Way to go. We're glad to have you. And nobody paid much attention. They should have. They should have. Because what Danny left at the altar, Jimmy must have picked up. Hmm. Hmm. What Esau walked away from, Jacob picked up, didn't he? All right, all right. <laughs> and Jimmy picked it up. And I could take you to the state of Georgia today and to a certain town, and there's a boy named Jimmy that's pastoring a large church there. <laughs> but there were people, because of one boy's excellence in sports and an all state first team. And they saw glory and grandeur. They forgot that there was another kid over here that had something in his spirit that hell couldn't stomp out. And today he's a pastor. And he's leading a great church to heaven. And he's solid and he's stable and he's worthy of a whole honor. Because sometimes it's the unforeseen possibilities that we just don't grasp. But God sees it all. And there are people in this house right now, right now, that God is seeing where you are and seeing you in your situation and you're saying, God, all I see is tragedy and grief and all I see is pain and hurt. God says, if you'll just come to me. Just start walking toward me. Just come on. Come on. Come on. Let's have this relationship. Come on. Things will start falling off of you. And you'll start picking up some things that you never thought you'd pick up in your life. Like grace and mercy and glory and honor and dominion and power and strength and a few hallelujahs along the way. (laughs) What a joy. Would you stand? You're a wonderful people and I love you. Would you stand all over the house? Receive the word by the hand clap of appreciation. Receive the word today. Receive it. Receive it. Receive the word. Receive the word. Receive the word. Amen. Receive the word today. Hallelujah.